From Harris Studios, this is Accounting for Tomorrow, an accounting and advisory services podcast for community leaders with a passion for change. We are ready to look past the numbers and ensure that today's planning efforts create success for tomorrow. Welcome, listeners. Today, we're going to talk about R&D credit. We have a real treat. We have Smith Miller, who is the founder of Strategic Tax Solutions. Welcome, Smith. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. Smith is a recognized leader in federal and state credits and incentives. While minimizing disruption to their business operations, Smith takes pride in helping his clients identify benefits to which they are legally entitled. In fact, several of his recent R&D refund solutions provided clients with well over $2.5 million in federal and state tax refunds. He has assisted some of the largest companies in capturing and realizing this benefit from the R&D tax credit. He specifically focuses on engineering, architecture, manufacturing, construction, technology, aerospace, and medical industries. So I know that you just recently moved to Idaho. So what drew you to this state? You came out of California, right? And came up here and been operating in this environment for quite some Fuck, time. Yes, yeah. you're eight now. Oh, yeah. So, so it's been eight years. Yeah. It was the people. I came up here. I had a client up here and he said, come on up. I want to introduce you to some other people that I think could benefit from the R&D tax credit. And I'm like, okay. Never happened in all the mm-hmm. years in California. So the first week I came up here, I was just like, wow. It was eye-opening and people were just so kind and nice. And I was just like, this is a really neat environment here. And that's what really really attracted me. And then, of course, I love the outdoors. And so. Oh, that's great. Well, I know when I first met you, uh, I think it was at some event for uh, contractors or something. And and yes. And then we started our relationship from them. And I know that you've worked on several of my clients and other partners in the firm, their clients. So we really appreciate the work that you've done there. Thank you. Um, So what types of things do you like to do in the outdoors? I like to ride motorcycles. I've got quite a collection, I like snow ski, water ski, jet ski, fish, boating, camping, hiking. Sounds like you fit in great here. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. It's, I'm at home. Awesome. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the history of the R&D credit? Uh, the history of it. So it, in 1981, the Reagan administration worked, he got together with Congress to enact the R&D tax credit. At the time, there was probably six or eight countries that offered R&D tax credits. Now there's hundreds of countries that offer the R&D tax credit. Canada and Mexico have two of the most lucrative tax credits and incentives. So the idea behind it was back in the 80s, there was a lot of companies that were offshoring, going overseas with their products and processes. We were losing that intellectual property. So the idea was to incent companies to keep it here on U.S. soil, you know, incent companies to step out of their little paradigm and try something new and try to make a new product or a new process. And if it failed, you got the credit. And if it succeeded, you, you got the credit as well. So that was the idea behind it. And then in the beginning, the only companies that could really afford to take advantage of or get the credit were companies like the 3Ms, the Pfizer's, the Johnson's, Johnson's of the world. And because you had all these rules and regulations, so it was very, very hard for companies to qualify. So it was just the Fortune 100 companies were the ones taking advantage of the credit. Well, Bush 2 gets in office, and in 2001, he worked with Congress to change the credit to make it more applicable to a broader market. And that's when the four-part test came in. Originally, you had to be doing something first time to the world. They've reduced those types of rules and regulations, and they boiled it down to that four-part test. And that's when it really opened up. So a lot of companies had looked into the credit in the past, did not qualify under the old rules. Well, the new rules a lot more qualify. So in 2001, it it really changed. Why don't you just give us a little bit of an overview about the R&D credit and maybe some activities that qualify? Like, how would you go about identifying a client that is right for an R&D credit study? 
what I find myself doing mostly is educating because a lot of times I'll walk into and meet with a CEO or a controller or owner of a company and they'll say, hey, Smith, we don't have an R&D department. We don't do all R&D. I don't think we qualify. And then I'll walk them through. the. There's a four-part test that I walk them through. And if they satisfy that four-part test, irregardless of what industry they're in, they're eligible for the credit as long as it's done here on the U.S. soil. The biggest thing is educating people. And we come in and do an analysis for free before we're ever engaged in a project. So when I'm engaged with new clients or prospects, I always push them to have us come in and let us do our analysis. It's pretty painless. It's free. We break down on the federal and state side on the amounts of what the credit would be, what it would look like. Oh, that's great. So could you give us a little bit of information about this four-part test? Like what are the four parts sure. and what uh, what should we be thinking about? Yeah, so the four-part test goes like this, and this is right off the, co- the tax code. You must set out to improve a product or process. Must be technical in nature, meaning turn on a computer, add or subtract. There must be uncertainty on the onset. And then the fourth component is you must go through an iterative process of trial and error modeling or computer modeling to answer your hypothesis and or get to your finished product. So it's pretty general, pretty broad. So for example, we have quite a few large HVAC companies. And when I first started talking to the owners of them, they're like, we don't do R&D. And I was like, well, they actually do a lot of R&D. They're doing a lot of load balancing calcs. They're running blueprints or CAD. They're using running software. And if they're running different software, so it's pretty much all R&D because you're satisfying that four-part test. Hmm. That's just an example. Yeah, for sure. Are there some other industries that you find a lot of R&D that they might not necessarily think that they qualify? Yeah. So uh, design build contractors, as you know, architectural companies and engineering firms. Also, we've recently picked up quite a few local here in the Treasure Valley, some local wineries and breweries. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Because again, they're satisfying that four-part test or constantly improving their product all the time. So it can be a product that you're working on. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So I know we talked about different industries. Is there a size of company that makes it worth it? Like when we're talking about this credit, like, I mean, how, how much of a credit are we talking about? Like yeah. how big could it be? Yeah. Well, um, so I, I typically tell when I present and I kind of a rule of thumb, it's a million dollars in revenue and up. But I have lots of small companies that read about the credit and they've approached us and we'll do the work. That's the floor, if you will all the way up to publicly traded companies. And the size of the credit varies, but we have quite a few clients. It's six, seven figures on an annual basis that we're getting them. So it can wow. it can be a real game changer. So just for instance, if I'm say, like, how could I judge? Let's just take, for instance, I'm a $15 million company in revenue mm-hmm. and I'm very labor intensive. So I have, say, seven and a half million in Payroll. In, in, in payroll. Round figures. Like, what could so we be talking? You're probably talking four or $500,000. Wow. Pay, and that would vary. So if, you have, if you're a software company, you have all these people writing code, you're paying them a lot of money. It'd be closer to a million dollars, the credit. And so that is a credit that directly offsets tax. Yes. Um, do we have any issues with alternative minimum tax or? The threshold is $50 million. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. So if I don't have any taxable income in the current year and I'm claiming the credit, the credit carries forward Correct. for how long? Correct. Carries for 14 years on the state side and 20 years on the federal side. Can you carry the credit back? You can carry it back one year. So when you're calculating the credit, I know there's a couple of different ways that it can be calculated. Talk about those ways. And yeah. is there one way that you use over another or... There's two methods, and we run both, and we'll take the better of the, the whichever one is greater of the two. So it and it just varies. 
because they have the alternative simplified credit method, and then they have the historical method. So when we're talking about the R&D credit, like what are the major components of cost that go into the credit? Great question. So there, there are three components that go into making up the amount of the credit. The W-2 wages of the individuals are always the biggest component. And that's the individuals that are doing the actual, actual work. Research. There's the engineers or the code writer or the developer or the, the machinist that's running the machine. The second component is supplies consumed during the process of, which can be great or it can be very minimal. And the third component is the vendors or subcontractors they hire. So let's take an example of an engineering firm. They've got a project they're working on. They need a structural engineer or they need an electrical engineer. They'll hire that electrical engineer or structural engineer. 65% of what they pay to that structural or electrical engineering company will be the third component that makes up the amount of the credit. And the tax laws allow us to go back three years, amend and capture. And the credit carries forward on the state side for 14 years here in Idaho and for on the federal side to 20 years. So there is a credit in Idaho as well. Oh, yes. Yeah. So what is the current environment? I know you and I have worked together on a lot of clients mutually, and I know that throughout history, the R&D credit is a credit that the IRS puts under some additional scrutiny. So maybe just talk a little bit about what you see like in the landscape of R&D credit and kind of what's going on in the background. Is there anything that we should be aware of? The biggest thing that right now, because we have one, two, we have two audits going on right now, and that's pretty typical throughout the year. We have two to three audits going pretty consistent. There's a real unfortunate working in California, the Franchise Tax Board. We've got a deal there right now. We're going to appeals. They've come down and just they're just denying everything. It's They've really cracked down. It's concerning. And I'm hoping there's change on the way, but it's out, out of my control. So Right. The oversight of the IRS and the Franchise Tax Board has always been, you know, concerning. And it's interesting how you can get into those, those evolutions where you're trying to show them that you do qualify. And it seems like sometimes they just don't even want to look at the empirical data to come to a conclusion. Is there a time that you're more susceptible? Like, is there something that you could do to lessen the risk of actually being audited when you're claiming an R&D credit? The biggest thing is you need to substantiate what you're claiming. And as long as you do a good job of substantiating, which we do, less than 1% of our clients get audited. If that tells you. Yeah, no, that's, you a, that's a great audit. Right? Yeah. yeah, definitely, for sure. And so in these audits that you're going through, uh, I just want to give clients, so I know it's only 1%, but... What's well, 100% if it's you? Yeah, I know, it's 100% <laughs> if it's you. And so maybe just give us a feel like how the audit goes. Like if we were to get audited, say by the IRS, like what's the time frame? Like how's the timing looking right now? Yeah, the, the time frame is very, very elongated. And it's all over the map. I've got one going on right now. We're in year three. So it's a nuisance. Yeah, yeah. That, and that's what I was kind of alluding to, because I know even just in audits that aren't related to R&D, like they're still with the constrained capacity that the IRS has right now, we've, we're dragging things out to two, three years on almost every yeah. issue. So, yeah. so on the clients that you see that come under audit, how many of them get resolved at the audit level yeah. versus ones that have to go to a second level? Right. So I, I would say the majority get resolved at the first level. Like I said, we've got a couple that are in, in appeals. We've never had a disallowance at the federal or state level. That could change. <laughs> Back to your prior question was the substantiation of it. And that's where it comes in. And that's the one thing that the FTB and, and general. His just recently, just ignoring that four part, they're saying, oh, they don't qualify. They didn't meet the criteria for the four part test anyway. So it's. Yeah, that can be super frustrating when you're trying to deal with that. 
So I just want to shift gears a little bit and maybe talk about, I know the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act that was passed a couple of years ago actually put an additional requirement for R&D expenses to be capitalized. And so what's going on in that area? Like, what do you, yeah, what do you so see the, there? The current environment is you're supposed to amortize those expenses for five years. It's the current law. There is a bill on the Hill right now to repeal and replace that and bring it back to how it used to be. So, and, and do away with that because the amortization of the credit really, it flies in the face of what the, why, why we have the credit. And so a lot of our clients have been affected by it. So the expenses that are generating a credit, those expenses then can't be deducted. They just have to be amortized, amortized. over a five-year five, period. Five-year period, okay. correct. So. so you're still getting a benefit, though. Oh, you're still, still getting oh, the no. credit. Really, Robert, the credit's even more valuable because everybody's taxes are going up. In my eyes, it makes the credit that much more valuable. Right, because that deduction is being pushed forward. Yeah, exactly. And so it'll be applied at a higher tax rate. Absolutely. So the bill that is in Congress, do you have any idea, like when you think that bill is going to come to fruition <laughs> well, and, and it's going to be included? Like what the current, you know, it's po- politics, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah, they're supposed to address it. The commitment was they were going to address it right after they got this, the uh, debt ceiling figured out. Mm-hmm. They figured that out over a month ago and nothing's happened yet. So it's just, it's kind of stalemate. It's stagnant, if you will. And I did some research last night just to see if there was any new articles out. I couldn't find any, I could not find any new articles on the status. So I think it's just kind of like mothballed for now. I know that we have not filed any tax returns that contain the R&D credit in anticipation of that bill being passed and 174 being reversed. Well, we appreciate your time today, Smith, and appreciate all the hard work that you've done for our clients. And thank you. Thank you for giving us this information and feel free to reach out to any of the partners here at Harris CPAs. We're happy to put you in touch with Smith to do that analysis. And thank you for your time. Thanks, Smith. Appreciate you being here. Thank you. I appreciate it. That's a two-way street. Awesome. Everybody have a good day. You've been listening to Accounting for Tomorrow, Harris CPA's monthly podcast. We appreciate you listening and spending your time with us today. For more information on this or any of our other topics, please visit harriscpas.com.